We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on the program today. My name is Walker Wildman. This is AFA at The Core. We are live streaming the video as we do each day on our streaming platform. The URL for that is streaming.afa.net. Streaming.afa.net. We're also on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Uh, live streaming the show on AFA at the Core's Facebook uh, page. And so those are the two places you can watch the show. Also, we live stream the audio on our website, AFR.net, and then we push out the podcast each afternoon for you to listen. If you missed part of the show or you weren't able to listen to yesterday's show, so on and so forth, you can listen to all of the programs, all the episodes at your convenience. Uh, by subscribing to the podcast. We do have some special guests with us today, as we do most days. We'll have uh, my brother Wesley will be in studio with us second segment, talk about some important stories as it relates to um, the uh, uh, parental rights and um, and discipling our, our youth, discipling our children and raising them and godly uh, to, to know God and to trust God. Also, uh, we'll have... Uh, State Senator Chris McDaniel, Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel in studio with us last segment. We'll talk about the uh, status of politics in Mississippi and how conservative is the state of Mississippi. Uh, We'll talk about uh, that question and other topics in the last segment, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Well, we are in Psalm chapter 36 this week. We are in Psalm chapter 36, continuing our study of the book of Psalms. Verse 7 and 8 says in Psalm chapter 36, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. This is verse 9 now. In your light we do see light. Uh, so uh, David's continuing his his uh, writing on God's blessings, on God's providence, on God's uh, providing, and so we need to rely on that. We need to we need to trust that uh, today and every day uh, here in uh, God's Word, Psalm chapter thirty six. Well, um, uh, this story I didn't even plan um, to talk about, but we're gonna we're gonna mention it because it is it is trending in the news today. But it's this uh, this whole Mar-a-Lago raid topic. You can go so many places with it; it's really kind of overwhelming. But we've just got to remember as we as we read the news reports on what's going on with the FBI raiding President Trump's uh, personal residence. We've got to remember that this is the same crew. M- many of them, many of the the uh, actual individuals that are working for the FBI, it's a lot of the same crew that have that have ran interference for the Democrats the last four to six years. It's a lot of the same crew 
that pushed the Russia hoax. It's a lot of the same people that were involved in the Hillary Clinton email scandal cover-up. A lot of the same people. <clears throat> Literally, <laughs> the same people, the same names that work at the FBI and the DOJ. And we, we see where the Democrats and their minions over at the DOJ and the FBI will do anything and everything to go after their political opponents and to punish people that they view as a threat to their power structure. That's what they're doing to Donald Trump. Now that's what they have done to him in the past. So to think that, and, and I may be wrong at the end of all this, but from what we see today, I would be rather surprised if we all of a sudden found out that Donald Trump is corrupt, that he's compromised, that this is a massive scandal, that he had the nuclear codes that are probably expired by now anyway at Mar-a-Lago. Um, I, I really would be surprised if this morphed into something where I go, wow, I can't believe former President Trump did that. I mean, what was he thinking when he did that? I, I just don't see that because we've been down this path before. We've been down this path where the media and the FBI and the DOJ and the Democrats, they all tell us there's a scandal here. They all tell us how bad it is, and then it turns out that it's all built on a lie, that it's all built on a lie. So that's really where I think this is going. And another part of this is that it, it actually helps the Department of Justice and the Biden administration in their cover-up here of what's really going on. It actually aids them that they are dealing with what, it, what appears to be some classified material. And this is what they do. This is what the this is what the FBI and the DOJ do. This is what they're known for, and that is they launch investigations into their political opponents. They find different kind of uh, crimes, whether it be felonies, misdemeanors, whatever, speeding tickets. They find all the things you did wrong in the form of their in the in part of their investigation, and then. Um, they they selectively leak to the media things that make the person that's being investigated look bad, all right? And so they, they, they put their thumb on the scale for a second time. And then when questioned on their selective leaks or when questions arise about the validity of the narrative, they say, well, this is a, this is a pending investigation. We're, we're not allowed to comment. This is an ongoing investigation. We're not allowed to comment further. Or this uh, this uh, investigation deals with classified uh, material, and we are no longer allowed to comment on the investigation. And so, so they they leak information to the media to build a narrative, and then when you question them about it, they go, "Well, I can't comment on that. This is an ongoing investigation." Oh, okay. So we can leak investigative materials and investigative findings, but we can't talk about the investigation. And this, this is just looks like Russiagate 2.0. This looks like Russia hoax 2.0. Maybe impeachment hoax looks just like it. Looks exactly like it, the way the DOJ is behaving, the way they're selectively leaking things. And today they put out, and this wasn't a leak, but they intentionally include this, they included this in a court filing. Uh, today they included a picture from the raid at Mar-a-Lago of classified documents allegedly classified documents 
laying all over, sprawled out on the carpet at Mar-a-Lago. And, and they did this with, with the intention, and these folks are crafty. They did this with the intention of your average American looking at the picture and going, oh my, wow, President Trump had classified documents sprawled out on his office floor. How dare he do that? How, how irresponsible to treat classified material in such a manner. That's the reaction you get when you look at the picture. Like, man, this is like a drug bust. They've got all the evidence sprawled out all over the floor. Well, number one, who, and this is something that a journalist made a good point of earlier in the day, but who, who laid the documents out on the floor? Was that the president's staff or did the DOJ actually have their lawyers and the FBI agents sprawl the documents out all over the floor for a photo op? Did the, did the FBI agents walk into the room and they find documents, classified documents, laying all over the floor? Or did the FBI agents walk in and grab a box of documents and then start pulling documents out, throwing it all over the floor, and then they're like, hey, guys, this will be a great photo op, so let's go ahead and snap a picture of these documents that we've thrown out all over the floor. So they released this picture, no context. Who knows how the documents got out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, but it shapes the narrative. It shapes the narrative. And it makes people think, wow, President Trump is such a bad person. Orange man bad. That's what they say. And that's what the DOJ is. Uh, that's the response they are trying to draw uh, from the public. It's clear. And Walker, not to mention that, that that picture becomes classified. Yeah. The media becomes classified. That holds that yeah. material. Yes. So what happened to protecting classified documents? Yeah. And that camera just walked out the door unprotected, I'm sure. Yeah. And was it taken on a smartphone that, you know, is connected to the internet and is insecure? Yeah, like there's not enough things that already go back to the Chinese, like Lenovo computers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the DOJ thinks it's a great idea to snap a picture of classified documents on the carpet and then release it to the public via court order in the name of making Donald Trump look bad. Uh, so this will this will further develop, but... But, but they have positioned themselves, the Biden administration has positioned themselves very well from a political and corruption standpoint, an accountability standpoint, to where they don't have to be accountable, they don't have to answer questions, because this is part of an ongoing investigation. That's what they're going to do. They're going to drag this thing out about three years. That's what they're going to do. Trust me, they've done this before. They're going to drag it out three years, they're going to carry it through the election, and they're going to use this as a cloud over Donald Trump's head during the 2024 election cycle. Mark my word, it will happen. This investigation will linger for years and uh, it'll end in a dud. Uh, it'll end with no scandal. It'll end where we find out the FBI did all these bad things and then who gets held accountable? Well, <laughs> nobody. Nobody typically uh, gets held accountable uh, as long as the regime regime is in power. Well, moving on to a couple other topics, uh, I brought up uh, uh, a clip from uh, Tim Ryan from the state of Ohio, he's running for the Senate seat there in Ohio. So I brought up a clip earlier in the week of his stance of abor on abortion, which he wouldn't really tell us what his view of abortion is. He would just he wouldn't commit to any limits to abortion. Um, and, and we talked about how the Democrats they want to be able to kill babies all the way up until birth. Some of the Democrats even say we should be able to kill babies even after they're born. Um, and that's actually uh, there's something going on in California uh, to that extent that we'll maybe talk about another day. But uh, uh, Tim Ryan, from uh, the congressman from Ohio, was back on CNN, and he was questioned about his view on uh, forgiving or uh, canceling 
student loans, which has been a big topic with the Biden administration. Let's listen to Tim Ryan get called out on CNN. Congressman Ryan joins me now. Congressman, good to have you. Let me start with you say this sends the wrong message. Why? Well, I think one, it sends the wrong message. Every worker out there is struggling right now, not just people who have college degrees or college debt. I think we need a tax cut for everybody right now. A lot of, you know, people work in construction, home health care. Their gas prices are high, too. Their food prices are high, too. So we've got to acknowledge that we need to recognize everybody is struggling in this, in this economy. Look, I'm not trying to ignore the fact that this is a huge burden. I think we can do things like allow people to renegotiate down the interest rates on their loan. It's outrageous, 8, 9, 10, 12%. So we should be able to allow them to do that. But the other piece of this, too, is that there's absolutely no solution into fixing the extraordinary increases in college costs. So if you've got a kid in college right now, prices are still going through the roof. So if we're going to do something like this, you need to tie it to being able to control college costs and university costs going forward so that we're not going to be back in the same boat in five or 10 years having to spend another three, four hundred billion dollars to do the same thing. This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> you make a good point on the cost and bringing the cost of college down. But you have for years advocated for more than just renegotiating the debt. Let's go back to 2018 when you called on Congress to, quote, do more to help bring down debt and make college more affordable. In 2018, you tweeted in favor of student debt relief. 2020, you voted in favor of a bill that included plans to cancel up to 10000 in student loan debt. Later that year, you co-sponsored bipartisan legislation to provide student debt relief to essential workers. Also in 2020, you supported an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that required the federal government to provide 10000 in assistance to some private student loan holders. Well... <laughs> CNN just schooled Tim Ryan about how he goes at the beginning of the clip. He says in response to student loan forgiveness by the Biden administration, he says, well, it sends a bad message. It sends a bad message. Then he then he flip flops compared to his previous position where he voted and, and spoke out in favor of forgiving student loan. The moral of the story here is that these politicians, they they wiggle and they squirm. And they do so because of whatever's popular, according to the pollsters in their state. That's what they do. They, they change their positions. They have no set moral standard. They change their positions based on what other, whatever the pollsters say and whatever will get them reelected. That's the moral of the story. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct. My aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 AD, while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech, and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Does your daughter have a dread of public speaking? She's not alone. 80% of adults report having an aversion to public speaking, but once tried, it is a skill that they later report brings a great feeling of confidence and ease. Now take your girl's time and God's word. If she approaches it with a similar dread or procrastination, take heart. With time invested, this skill brings a craving that many seasoned believers describe as irresistible. Imagine your girl loving God so much that she craves his word. According to John 1 and John 6, Jesus is the word and bread of life. It truly brings joy to see a girl grow consistently into a godly woman with a daily holy habit of taking in the bread of life through his own word. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you got. There's honey in the rock. Welcome 
back to the core here on American Family Radio. Well, this is Worship Wednesday, and that song there is Honey in the Rock by Brooke uh, Lickertwood, I believe, uh, and uh, Brandon Lake as well, um, out of New Zealand, I believe, is where the, the artists there are located. But that's Honey in the Rock, and I love to to explore the scriptural basis for worship music. I love to explore the scriptural root of worship music, and I've got Wesley in here with me. Wesley, welcome to the core. Hey, glad to be on. Thank you for playing worship music. Absolutely. You know, Wesley, this song, um, uh, Honey in the Rock, is um, you look in Scripture and you say, okay, well, where is this in Scripture? Well, um, Scripture, the Bible describes Christ uh, as the cornerstone, mm, that's right. uh, as the firm foundation, uh, the Son of God is a firm foundation. And then another part of the song talks about how there's water in the stone, and that gets into where uh, Jesus uh, talks about him providing uh, living water, mm-hmm. uh, water, uh, living water, water of life. Um, so that's uh, that's our Worship Wednesday, and uh, the song there is Honey in the Rock. Hey, Wesley, I do have another story I want to get your – I have a story I want to get your input on. So sure. um, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. uh, well-known NFL quarterback, is uh, he was uh, speaking out. He was on the Joe Rogan show, mm-hmm. and he was speaking out about the process that the NFL took to make sure that all of the players got this uh, these COVID shots. And right. so, uh, but he revealed some pretty some pretty telling information. Yes. Got before we go to that clip, just to just to remind our audience or to let those who didn't know. Aaron Rodgers was one of just a handful of NFL uh, stars who elected not to take the jab early on, and they still never did. And he himself, based on his – he believed in his true, his constitutional rights and his um, personhood that he was going to look for other ways to prevent uh, getting any type of illnesses – uh, including COVID, mm-hmm. and so he took other preventions, but he did not participate in that and getting the shot. And so he was mocked, ridiculed, and was uh, shamed by all ESPN, almost unanimously, all ESPN hosts, all player, a lot of players, a lot of coaches. Yeah. Really gave him a hard time. Uh, uh, Hollywood really, and remember he. He's got some really good views on a lot of things, but he's not an overt conservative. Yeah. Uh, he's not. And so, nonetheless, if you didn't get it, y'all remember these days it still happens. He got mocked. So, with that said, now we're following up, and he's giving us more information about the process, and we're about to play the clip. Yeah, so let's listen to this. This is Aaron Rodgers telling Joe Rogan about the experience of having representatives come and try to tell them, uh, the, the NFL team, why they should all get the shot. Let's listen. You want to play football? Take this thing. And I want you to do it publicly so that I can get more money out of those other people that are thinking about it and they're on the fence. Yeah, and then we're going to virtue signal to say, look how righteous our league is. We have 95% compliance yes. with the vaccine. Compliance. And if you don't, we're going to send a stooge to your team to show you graphs of your vaccination percentage of your team compared to the rest of the league, which actually happened. Really? Yeah. What was the stooge like? Oh, I mopped the floor with them. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. See, again, that's why people are like, no one knew your vaccination status. You lied to your teammates. No, no, no. Day three of training camp, they sent this stooge in. 
and he showed these slides about what your vaccination percentage was in your team, where you compare to the rest of the league. And I started asking him questions about liability. Oh, I'm not a lawyer. Okay, cool. But you're in here talking about all these different things, and you don't talk about anybody's personal health issues. There's zero exemptions. You took out religious exemptions. You took out PEG exemptions. You took out anybody's ability to have uh, an opinion. Uh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Well, it's not only going to affect your uh, day-to-day status on the team, but your ability to get a job, your ability to keep a job, your ability to get a tryout if you get cut from this team because you want to put a percentage above 90% of your team where you guys can have some sort of like special virtue. Like, look how amazing we are. We're above the 90% threshold here. And then they, and then they, take- and then they, they scared teams and said, if you had an outbreak caused by a non-vaccinated player, you not only forfeit that game if you had enough players out, but you wouldn't get paid for that week. And here I am showing up to training camp, Joe, the first day, and we got five people who work for the organization out with COVID all fully vaxxed. (laughs) (laughs) And I got COVID from a fully vaxxed individual who only got vaxxed to keep his potential of being a part of the NFL. Wow, Wesley. I'll let you go first. You know, I, need, I, I need to cool off a little bit. Well, I'm just grateful that there are still people who have a tremendous amount of influence in different areas of this country. This particular gentleman, Aaron Rodgers, in the NFL and sport, and, and, and bigger general, also representing professional athletes, but yeah. specifically NFL, that have common sense. Yeah. Uh, he has common sense. He is an educated person. It's refreshing. It's, it's refreshing. refreshing. Yes, and he's bold. Mm. Um, he's not. Uh, he's not. Um, you know, like many of uh, of our weak. Christian weak. Yep, he's not weak. He's bold. He's done his research. Um, there's another uh, outlet. Um, that, there's another video. That, now you'd have to look up Aaron Rodgers and, and COVID. Yeah. Back about. That was, six, that was another yeah. That's yeah. another interview with the media. Interview he, about six six months or a year, a year ago. You look him up, but he uh, he essentially um, had his uh, he he had already met with his doctors, professional doctors, and he had already had a whole list of um, uh, d- medical and doctrinal reasons why he was not going to do it. Yes, and all the. I mean, my point is, he he's very he did his thought, due diligence. Yeah, did his due diligence. He's very thought out to why he did. Yeah, what he did, and so here you go. Um, that much more, you know. Yeah, they they bring in, they 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 tell you they tell you why you need to get the shot, and this is what they've done for years now, a couple years. They tell you why you need to get the shot, but when you start asking valid questions, they say, "Well, I can't speak to that." Yeah. Uh, he go. Aaron Rodgers said he asked, "Well, what about liability? Like, what if I get injured by this shot?" Sure. Well, I'm not a lawyer. Okay, so you're gonna tell me that I need to take a shot that no one, there's no accountability for the product, right? right? It's like uh, we we can't. Nobody else, no other uh, industry gets this type of blanket immunity. That um, where's the insurance? These pharmaceutical this? companies get. That's right. I mean, if you if you have a vehicle defect and it causes, if you can prove in court that it caused you to have a wreck, the defect, then you can sue the car company. That's right. Same thing. You can expand that uh, out to all other kind of products, but with this one, which is going into your body, no, no, we we can't hold these companies liable. And to that point, Wesley, I came across this story, and this this gets further and further unbelievable. That's why I don't trust. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the FDA, CDC, or any of these companies. 
The the FDA just approved under emergency use authorization, even though we're no longer in an emergency, and arguably we never were. Um, they just approved a Pfizer and Moderna booster without a single clinical trial in humans. All they've done is tested on rats, and they haven't tested it on humans, but they approved it and said this is good to go. Yeah, the, the those that are in power, the Fauci's, the CDC's, they have lost all form of uh of uh influence or uh, credentials or reputation from uh repu- yeah, reputation from those in the general public and you may can swing this stuff in some deep blue states and maybe convince some people that are in the far left but you're not i mean you're not going to get your general consensus that they know what they're doing at this point well this is we're i would argue that the fda and the cdc and and these these the, the the government that's approving these products, they are treating humans as less than animals mm-hmm. because and I, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you why I say that there are let's just talk about a farmer let's just talk about someone who raises cattle for a living there are there are men and women who raise cattle for a living that would not give their herd a product, a vaccination, or any other type of medication that hasn't been tested on other cattle. That's right. They would say, no, this, this is too important. If something happens to my, to my herd, yep. my livestock, it will, it will damage my income. It will cause them harm. It will throw everything off. We've got to know. I've got to talk to veterinarians. We've got to know. know for sure. Yeah, yeah, does this product work? So we wouldn't even do that to animals, but we're wanting humans to inject themselves was something that they haven't even tested on other humans. Much less, just to reiterate, too, that does not work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the previous that, versions don't work. Yeah, exactly. To, especially to what they claim, because like he was but saying— But they don't know if these new ones work because they haven't even tested them. them. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is quite insanity. I mean, the fact of the matter, when the guy, when this, as he says, the stooge, when he walked in, you know, the fact is there was, there was already, when the stooge gets there, to go over the— to the, to see who how many people on their teams got it to shame them, or to or to threaten them with their job. At that moment, there were already five full time staff members on this team who had been fully vaccinated, yeah. and at that point were absent from the team because of because they had COVID. Mm. So that in and of itself, if if that doesn't raise a okay, well we've got to try something else. This isn't working. Yeah, type conversation. Then I don't know what else to do i mean well, at this point it's, it's sheer virtue yeah and i think i really think this this brings into question since since the, the the radicals the lefties and the democrats in the pharmaceutical industry wanted to go this insane here i think this should bring into question i think every state department of health and executive branch should investigate these pharmaceutical products i think i think the entire vaccine industry needs to be investigated to know whether their products work or not Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this, this is something that I'm interested in for myself. I know you, you, you know, someone who's done this, mm-hmm. but I want to get blood work done and tested to see what right. am I immune to? That's right. So I get, you know, I get these 15 or 20 shots when I'm a kid. Well, okay. Well, did that produce any type of immune response? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's something that people need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to know whether, whether this stuff is even doing what it's supposed to or not. And I'm talking about the historical vaccines. I'm not talking about the COVID ones. Yeah, I may be able to bring that story with uh, me of, of a friend I know that had actually went through and went back and tested to see or got blood work draw to see if what they got actually immune to them of childhood 
vaccines. But with the time we have left, I'll come back and hopefully be able to share that story one day or maybe next time. But with the time we got left, speaking about COVID and speaking about lockdowns, there's a story on American Family News that shows that the anti-woke parents are dominating the school board flips in Florida. 25 of the 30 school board candidates that were endorsed endorsed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, they won or will likely win their race coming up. A dozen of them were liberal-dominated school boards in Florida. All a dozen of them elected conservative majorities, some as far as four to one flip from a three to two liberal to a four to one conservative. So people are waking up, uh, and it takes leaders like Ron DeSantis, it takes ministries like AFA and AFR getting the news out there, uh, uh, giving you the full scoop, giving you both sides of the coin, helping you think through this both from a biblical and a conservative lens, mm. constitutional lens, and that's what we're doing here. But you're seeing some huge wins there. So during that lockdown, tell you what, some parents, when 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 their kids got sent home and they had to do – and they were forced to do school from a laptop and they were, screen, they were um, streaming a lot of their classrooms and a lot of the things that were being discussed, mm. a lot of parents – uh, either either they were naive to begin with, yeah. or, or 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 they just uh or just weren't aware of what was going on. But now they are, and they're waking up. And again, twenty that's a major win. Twenty five of the thirty school board candidates that are conservative, they won. That's excellent. Where'd you so, find that news story? American Family News. That's American Family News. I knew the answer to that. I no. just wanted you to play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look. I was thinking, where were you? I was just, I just shared that. So, look. No, no, well, no. I wanted, I, I wanted people to know that, that came from our own news source. Hey, that's right. You know, look. I want to encourage people. You know, AFA here, here is to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to strengthen the moral foundation of our culture and to give aid to the church here and abroad in the task of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what we're doing here at AFA, and I want just want to encourage you to keep occupying where God has placed you. Yes. Keep being a witness where you are. And remember Romans 116 that we are that we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God and salvation. So keep doing what you're doing. Uh, share our emails, share our alerts, and we're gonna make we are making a difference. And right there, Ron DeSantis and his and his uh, followers there in Florida are changing their state from somewhat red to ultra red. Awesome. And conservative. So all right, thanks Wes. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Some good news out of the state of Florida. Parents taking back school boards. Imagine that. That's kind of refreshing. Folks, you need to be involved. You need to be salt and light. You need to be a positive influence on your county, on your city, on your society, and on your community. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. What do a stuffed crocodile, a dark room, and scientific studies have to do with the fragrance of Christ? 
Find out when you read Rebecca Davis's blog, The Scent of the Savior. It's just one of dozens of inspiring articles that await you at afa.net slash the stand. While you're in the neighborhood, be sure to sign up for a free six-month subscription to the print version of The Stand. Visit afa.net slash the stand. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse. And there is no one who knows you better. And this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Let me tell you something that you'll never see. You'll never see a slave recruiting other slaves. It's hard to put a good spin on slavery. Now, I'm a Christian, and when I falsely communicate that I'm miserable and recommend it to you, you're probably not going to buy the product. But if I tell you the truth, like I got a father who always loves me, a God who never breaks my legs because he's angry with me, and a life that has meaning and hope, then I can say with great gusto, hey, try it. You'll like it. And you will. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, if you're watching online on our streaming site, streaming.afa.net, or on Facebook, you'll see I have another guest in studio with me. I have in with me Chris McDaniel, state senator from the state of Mississippi, also a former U.S. Senate candidate in Mississippi as well. Chris, welcome to the core. Uh, it's good to be here. First time having... to have you on. I've yeah. been been going about a year, um, but you and I have run across each other uh, throughout the last few years, including uh, during your U.S. Senate race uh, in Mississippi. Well, what are you up to now? I know you're in the state Senate, but what do you what, what do you do? Well, primarily right now, just fighting the good fight wherever we can find it. And uh, as we were discussing a few minutes ago, I never thought I would see the country in the state it's in right now. And it's alarming at how quickly that occurred. And so my dad, um, I've, ta- I've, I've talked about him in the past. I lost him back in 1999, but hmm. really good man, good Christian man. And uh, he always told me that get up in the morning and you listen for the sound of battle and you rush toward it. And he emphasized to me that our time on this planet is short. And we're supposed to be light and salt. Mm. And that's what I try to be. And so uh, you ask what I'm doing. I'm doing the very best I can to hold the line in Mississippi so one day we can restore this country. 
What is, you know, we, we do get some, we get some good news items out of the state of Mississippi, whether it be from the legislature or even, you know, working our way down to the fifth circuit on certain, uh, certain cases and out of the governor's office. But what, what's really going on in Mississippi? Because you get the headlines, but you're down in the state Senate. What's really going on? The problem we've got is a legislature that isn't as conservative as the state is as a whole. Now, if you look at the numbers nationally, Mississippi seems to be a very red state. And that, that traditionally is accurate, but not in the way we govern. In fact, if you look at the American Conservative Union scorecard over the last couple of years, it shows Mississippi to be a purple state, a mm-hmm. purple state. Put another way, the legislature of Michigan is more conservative than the legislature of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. The problem we've got right now is in the lieutenant governor's office, and that's Delbert Hoseman. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you some examples. Delbert Hoseman has the power under the rules to appoint chairman in the Senate to these powerful committees. There are only 16 Democrats in the state Senate. 13 he gave chairmanships to. (laughs) 13. It gets worse. When Donald Trump in 17 was trying to clear out and figure out where some of this voter fraud might be occurring, he created a commission. Mm -hmm. The commission came to Mississippi and asked then Secretary of State Hoseman for those documents. He told Donald Trump to go jump in the Gulf of Mexico. I remember that. You remember that? Other states did the same thing. And it's one thing after the other. In fact, if you That commission had to shut down because no states would would cooperate. Well, that's just it. Most Republican states did. Most was, did, yes. Most did. Yes. It was Mississippi, the, a so-called Republican state, that did not participate. That's a real problem. We do have election problems in this country. Mm-hmm. And Hoseman obscured and covered that up when Trump asked for help. And then you think about the fact that the abortion clinic, and abortion's a big issue for Christians. It's a big issue for me. We've been fighting for life as long as I've been in office. If you look at Delbert Hoseman's record, and this is going to shock you, but the abortion clinic in Jackson, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We, you know, the last abortion the, the, clinic in the, the state. The last one. Well, he was one of the guys that helped establish that. He was the lawyer for the clinic. And if you look at the LLC papers, he wasn't just the lawyer. He was listed as a director to that abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. So he's got this long history of behaving like a Democrat. And so what we're seeing this year is him still behaving like a, a Democrat. One more example. You know and I know that the income tax we have in this state is a problem. Yes. Texas doesn't have one. Florida doesn't have one. Tennessee doesn't have one. Mississippi has one. We have record revenues this year. This was the time to eliminate that income tax. And they did the watered-down bill. It was terrible. It was terrible. Here's what happened. So we have these record revenues, $3 billion more than we had just a few years ago. Record revenues. This was the time. Tate, the governor, he wanted to see the cut. Philip Gunn in the House wanted to see the cut. The House passes an income tax elimination bill. They send it to the Senate. We're supposed to be a conservative state, right? Yeah. Delbert Hoseman kills it. That's the problem. He's standing there alone, basically blocking conservative reform. We already have one Democrat in Jackson. I'm sorry, in Washington. That's that's trying to destroy this country, <laughs> right? We don't need one in Mississippi. Too. No. Is the lieutenant governor uh, seat in Mississippi is that elected, uh, or is, rather, is it elected through the chamber, or is it elected by the by the people? It's not. The people elect the position. The chamber empowers the position via the rules. And what occurs is because he has so much power, and that power has consolidated around that seat, he controls the legislation. He controls the flow of it. Mm. He controls the assignment of it to individual committees. And he also controls the chairman of those committees, which is why it's so mind-boggling that 13 of the 16 Democrats hold committee chairmanships in Mississippi. It should be just the opposite. We have a super-majority Republican legislature. We should behave like it, but we're yeah. not because of his leadership. Yeah, and we've seen, Chris, where 
the the Republican establishment, and that's a very broad term. It's very nonspecific, but that's the best I can come up with. The the long timers, if you will, yes, sir. Um, they historically they they pull this talking point. They do it all the time. They go, well, uh, you know, well, the polling says this, or we can't we can't go too conservative because then you know the independents won't vote for us. And they pull out all these reasons other than firm principle. That's right. And and I had a call with someone in North Carolina the other day, and they kept talking about pollsters. Well, here's what the pollsters are saying. I'm like, I don't even care what the pollsters are saying. What are you supposed to do? What values do you hold? Yeah. That seems to be the problem. It's all about re-election and it status is. quo and not about transforming culture. It is. We lost our principles, and we traded those principles for power. That's a real problem because now our children aren't listening to those principles anymore. They don't hear the message of conservatism, the, me- the message of traditional values in this society. So unless we're fighting for those things, they fail. They yes. fall by the wayside. And here's the thing. You know, the logic of uh, a, a candidate in Mississippi being, quote, too conservative, that's nonsense. You may have that problem in Maine. You may have it in Massachusetts or right. California. Not in Mississippi. No, not in the Deep South. We should be finding the most aggressive conservative candidates in the country and sending them to D.C. because nobody else is going to be able to do it. Yes. We need more people like DeSantis in Florida, right, like Cruz and uh, in Texas, like Paul in uh, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. So you have these great fighters. Why not from Mississippi? Yeah. Why not here? Yeah, and the uh, – uh, you and I talked about this during the break, but one tactic that that Republican um, um, long timers or status quo or, or, or establishment, so one thing they do well is they coalesce around people. Uh, uh, um, they coalesce with the other do nothings, and they consolidate power. And they don't only only use that power in their elected positions, but they also use that power in campaigning and yes. how they control the funds and which candidates get the funds and which candidates don't. We've seen this over and over again. You experienced this firsthand in, in the state of Mississippi when you ran against the, the late Senator uh, Thad Cochran yeah. to replace him. Uh, when you were in the primary running against him, tell us about the shenanigans that happened where, where the, the, the Republicans relied on Democrats to cross over and take the election. It's just crazy. Remember, the establishment has been there an awfully long time. And Trump tried to fight them. He did the best he could. But you see what happens when you try to fight those people. They're very powerful. It doesn't change in Mississippi. It was the same thing. And the great oddness of it all, the strangeness of it all, is everybody in this state sees that change is needed. And we, and we argue to each other around dinner tables that we have to have change. And then we keep electing the exact same people every year. Yeah. Well, in 14, it came around. You might recall that uh, we won, uh, or at least we, we got the most votes the first night against Senator Cochran. And then there was a runoff three weeks later. And that's when the uh, establishment in our party began to mobilize Democrats to, to turn out. And they did that successfully. More than 40,000 Democrats from Hines County and then all the way throughout the Delta turned out on behalf of Senator Cochran, and they won the vote by about 6,000 votes. Um, you would think that, that, that easily, it, it, if a Republican primary is run, Republicans should make that determination. Yes. Close, Demo- close primary. Close primary. If the Democrats have a race to run, let them make that determination. On that specific night, though, uh, Democrats made that determination. And the same thing happened uh, with Liz Cheney in Wyoming recently, in recent weeks. And That's I'm right. reading reports that uh, the Republican establishment, including the Lisa Murkowski and the McConnells, are going to try to do the same thing in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, their, their elections much different than ours, but, um, uh, but, but, 
they're going to do the same thing to try to get Murkowski back in. That's it's right. just a shame when, as a Republican and a so-called conservative, you have to rely on Democrat votes to win. It really is. And here we are now fighting for the survival of this country. And I don't say that to alarm people. That's just the reality. The American left has become full socialist, and they're pushing harder than they've ever pushed before. We have a choice to make. Yeah. This is our time for choosing. We can be firm. We can fight back and hold the line in states like Mississippi, or they're going to sweep over us. Yeah, we can be weak and make excuses That's exactly and uh, right. cite the pollsters. That's right. uh, Chris, uh, the state of Mississippi um, takes in you know, historic amounts, records amounts compared to other states of federal dollars. And one thing I've said on the show multiple times, uh, not only about Mississippi but other states, is if you really want independence, if you really want Tenth Amendment independence, you want to be able to make good decisions for your state – uh, without consequence or without being blackmailed, then you got to get off the federal dole. You got to get off that federal dollar yep. to such an extent. Talk about Mississippi. Here's the thing Mississippi uh, disproportionately relies on federal aid, and that's a problem. The studies demonstrate there was one out of Harvard I mentioned back in 2010 that showed that the more a state was addicted to federal spending, the less, the, the less economic progress that state made. The reason for that, the federal spending comes down, and it crowds out private investment. Mm. But also, it puts the state government officials in the position of never reforming old systems and making it better for business in the first place, like the income tax reduction. We should have eliminated the income tax. That would have been good for business, good for Mississippians. But when we depend on federal dollars, there are strings attached, right? Yes, all the time. All the time. First of all, control is lost, and we don't have that Tenth Amendment sovereignty that we should under the system. But secondly, it actually hurts investment in the long term. So we need to find a way to begin to revive ourselves or gradually remove ourselves from the federal dole and find ways to make our economy prosperous again mm-hmm. so our folks can have upward mobility. And that's, yeah. a big, that's a big struggle for us, but it can be done with the right leadership. Yeah, and, and the, you know, we, we, people will say, well, you know, uh, you know Washington's uh, bipartisan and they'll never use the, the federal dollar as a threat. They do it all the time. All the time. They do it all the time. And the, the time. And, and the Democrats weaponize that even more than Republicans do. Um, and and all it takes is a couple threats, a couple calls of, of, of pulling back grants or all kind of different federal programs. That's right. And you'll have you'll have otherwise conservative people squirming and, and, and moving and shaking just to try to, you know, stop whatever good was taking place. It's a very dangerous government. It really is. And the federal government has become more dangerous over the years. It's pretty apparent now. Um if there's a conservative mantra right now in this society, we, we would say, just leave us alone. Let us raise our families yes. the way we want to. Let us live our lives the way to worship the way we want to. Let us keep the, the, the money that we make the way mm. we want to. And the Fed says, no, yeah. no, no. Power. Power. It's all about power. And that dollar they give us, those strings attached, that's control. So we have to, if you want real sovereignty, you've got to find a way to cut that cord to a certain extent. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, so you talked about the income tax. So we're we're not there yet. They um, passed a watered down uh, or a better than nothing bill, even though that's not a winning campaign slogan. <laughs> uh, um, what what else in Mississippi is on the horizon? What else needs to take place? Quite a few things. I think Mississippi is in a unique position. Uh, if you look at inflation, for example, if you look at federal policies, for instance. There has to be a way for the states to reassert their sovereignty and once and for all tell the federal government to back off. Mm. Uh, if you do that in a way, and we've seen DeSantis do that in Florida. Have you noticed that every time he's taken that action, the feds blink? Yeah. They typically back up and reassess the situation. Mississippi should be leading the charge in reclaiming what's rightfully ours. The Tenth Amendment matters. Our state sovereignty matters. Our people matter. 
And to the extent the federal government oversteps its boundaries, whether it's on firearms, yeah. whether it's on education or religion, or for that matter, forced vaccines, whenever they overstep their boundaries, we should be there to say, not today. It's not going to happen. And if enough states did that, you would find that traditional balance again. Yeah. We need – one thing in Mississippi we desperately need, and I know you've worked on this issue some, is school choice. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I see other states doing this, and I know the education lobby is massive in Mississippi. I mean, who dare goes up against the education lobby? Um, but uh, parents ought to be able to choose where the kids go to school. It seems like common sense, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you think about Arizona, where they just passed that legislation, and I think they have a $7,000 voucher that follows the child wherever yes. the parent chooses to send that child. And as long as the parents can provide transportation – that makes sense. And I think if you talk to teachers, they support that. I think if you talk to administrators, they support that. It's the higher-ups. That yes. is the, the, the structure in the state that doesn't want any of that money to disappear. Mm. And that's the problem. And they do wield a pretty disproportionate amount of power there at the Capitol. Mm. But I think if you poll Mississippians on educational opportunities, I think most would agree we should have that type of choice. Yeah, and, and to your point, when you do talk to teachers, they do – tend to agree with that and uh i've got a family full of educators and it's not about it's this is not about the 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 higher ups trying to make this about well you're going after public education well that's not really true what we're trying to do is create competition that's it just like we do among every other industry every other sector create competition uh, so that schools will compete and provide the best quality education, whether it's a public school or a private school. Yeah, we're not trying to hurt public education. I'm from a, I'm from a, uh, a family of educators just like you. Mm-hmm. But the key there is recognize it. And I think the teachers intuitively do that if they do have two or three or four kids that choose to go elsewhere, you'll have smaller class sizes. It'll be easier to educate in the low run. So it's an yes. upside for everybody. Yeah. And it creates competition. Teachers and, and administrators are incentivized to improve their programs yes. to compete with the school down the street. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, uh, State Senator. Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming Thank in. Thank you. All right. Uh, Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel in studio with us talking about whether or not Mississippi is truly a conservative state and some things we need to do to move this ball in the right direction, pun intended. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family.